Today, a story about how contraband cell phones are used in prison. This interview was originally produced for Reset, a tech podcast from Vox.com, hosted by Ariel Zuem Ross. Here's Ariel. Adnan Khan spent most of his adult life behind bars. A total of 16 years since the age of 18. Okay, so just so people don't have to do the math, how old were you when you were released? 34. When he was 18, Adnan and a friend tried to steal some weed from a drug dealer. Adnan had been homeless for about a year after his mom moved out of the state and his uncle kicked him out of his house. A friend of mine asked me to do a snatch and grab of $1,000 worth of weed. Uh, None of us had guns, knives, or weapons. That was the rule. Just once he hands it to me, run into a car, and he would call up a driver. The robbery went wrong. The getaway driver stabbed the drug dealer, killing him. And since Adnan had participated in the crime, he faced the same penalty as if he'd been the murderer. While he waited in jail for his trial and sentencing, he tried to keep in touch with his siblings. All I had was my sisters, who were 20 and 17, and I I was 18. When I would call them, like I, I would have to call one of them. And I would have to only call one and then see quickly how they're doing. The judge handed down a sentence of 25 years to life, and Adnan was moved to a maximum security prison, where communication with the outside world was also a challenge. To keep in touch with his sisters, Adnan used the prison landlines. The phone that the the prison gives is a 15-minute phone call. So a 15-minute phone call that's consistently interrupted by... This call will be recorded and monitored. You'll be in the middle of a conversation and... It's almost like a jolt that that voice will come up or that automated recording will come up. 15 minutes, it's very, very difficult to, for one, sustain a relationship and further develop one. We would lose that familiarity with each other. We were were growing. Like I said, I was 18 when I went in. My sisters were 20 and 17. And five years later, just just different phases in life. And it's hard to catch up. It's like, wow, where did time go? And then when when I learned about cell phones, it, it provided somewhat of a hope to communicate with my my sisters. Adnan didn't want to tell me how he got his hands on his first contraband cell phone. He said he didn't want to get anyone in trouble. But he remembers the first night he brought it back to his cell. This was around 2007. I just remember it it just being a flip phone. Uh, It was silver. It had a very small screen in the middle. At that time, I was like, wow, this is pretty thin because I was used to those, you know, early 2000 Nokia's. He showed the phone to his cellmate. My, my, my cellmate at that time, he was very similar to me. He was young. He was serving a life sentence. Um, and he hadn't seen or heard from his family in like five years after he was transferred to state prison. I remember like I showed it to him. He's like, what is that? I was like, it's a phone. And he just didn't. This is, you know, I don't know, just like kind of a shock. And I was like, here, call your family. He got on the phone and just was stuck for a second because he didn't remember anybody's number. He's a person who had disassociated himself from his family um, because of his life sentence, similar to what I was thinking of mm-hmm. doing. And so he didn't have number uh, number to his friends or his family at all. But out of just pre- punching numbers, getting a couple of wrong numbers, he found one of his friends somehow, some way with, with one of the numbers that he remembered. And then it took about an hour or two just by contact this person, contact this person, where he contacted his brother, but he really just wanted to talk to his mom. And then he got his mom's number she picked up. He just said hi, and you know, like basically, I'm, this is who I am, your son. And he just started crying. And I'm standing by the door, looking out the window, just making sure our officers aren't walking by or whatever. Just 
trying to hold back my tears. You know, it's a toxic masculinity prison. We're young, we're serving life sentences. We don't want to sound weak to each other in that moment back then. But uh, it was hard to really hold in. And, and you know, like he was saying things like, you know, mom, I'm sorry. You know, like things like that. Like, this is not your fault. I'm sorry. Like, it was just hard for me to hear that while I'm standing with my back to him looking out the door. After he got off the phone, he just took a, you know, wiped his tears and just took a deep breath. I remember him like smiling and it was felt like to me, you know, if I may jump out and speak for him, like it felt like to me, it was such a burden off of his heart and more like uh, the healing process started to begin, like just, just like was initiated. It really felt like that to me. After his cellmate was done, Adnan got his sisters on the phone. It was just really, really good to, after five years by then for me, to talk to them for longer than 15 minutes on the phone. And we were just enjoying each other and we felt like we were kids again. But over time, we started to really dig deep on the trauma and the healing. And the, you know, if I may use the term rehabilitation for, for us as a family and us as individuals within the family. Adnan even got in touch with his mother, who'd moved out of state when he was a teenager. And he learned a lot about her and gained a better understanding for why she left. It was through a cell phone where, where I started to like really have these tough conversations of how I felt neglected by her. So, you know, and I used to resent my mother growing up because of certain situations that I felt she either didn't have my back or for whatever reason. You know, and while I was struggling with the neglect from my actual father and, and, and abuse from my stepfather... And so I ended up learning a lot about my mom and honestly her childhood and the trauma she went through as a child. And not some, a lot of my, if not all, my resentment I had towards her because I started to empathize with what she went through. They spent hours on the phone. What the cell phone did for me, and I keep, you know, we keep using the word cell phone like it was the phone itself. And obviously what, what I'm really talking about is, is a form of commun- consistent communication and, and a safe space to have that communication and, and, and which creates community, which creates, like, uh, togetherness. And then one day, Adnan got caught. It was a heartbreaker. It, it was. It was It was in my cell. They were doing major cell searches. And they came. They, they swept the whole area. Um, and it, 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 I just got caught. Because Adnan was already facing life in prison, his punishment didn't lengthen his sentence. Instead, prison officials took away his right to use a TV, a radio, the things he used to spend the time from day to day. They also limited the amount of time Adnan was allowed to leave the cell each day. The punishment lasted 90 days. But it was the emotional toll of losing his ability to call his family without restrictions that hit him the hardest. The cell phone withdrawal was the hardest withdrawal I've ever experienced in my life because I was finally getting healing and they just felt like a huge, like, and I understand that it, it was illegal. The phone was illegal. It was contraband. But what it was doing for me was very powerful, in my opinion. So a few days later, I ended up getting another phone and just continuing that program. For a little while, Adnan kept using a contraband phone. But in 2009, he decided to stop using cell phones altogether. I didn't want to get any trouble. And I didn't want to get a write-up, a write-up which would mean that Forget the 90 days with no TV radio. That's one thing. But I didn't want to eventually get a write-up and get denied at the parole board. With the time left on his sentence, that parole board could be more than a decade away. But having a phone just didn't seem worth the risk to him anymore. 
even though the decision made being incarcerated a lot harder on him and his family. And it was a big, big dent in my relationship with my family, a big, you know, it separated us. But it was a sacrifice, I guess, you know, that I had to make. And um, I'm out here now, I think, large part because of that. Adnan didn't end up serving a life sentence. After helping pass a criminal justice reform law, his case got resentenced and he was released. Today, Adnan heads a nonprofit named Restore Justice, and he's working on reforming the criminal justice system, including the way phone calls work in prison. We want to like tell society that a cell phone is not danger to society. It's actually a huge contributor to healing and public safety. And it doesn't make sense initially when you say that sentence, oh, cell phones are, are contributing factors to public safety. But when you really go get into it and you understand like, you know, even from my personal perspective that I shared, the wonders that is done for me and healing and making me a whole person. So that's why I'm a huge advocate for that, that it is possible to have cell phones in prison. And to do it in a way where officials feel comfortable and the folks who are incarcerated feel comfortable and can have access to their family or, or certain members of their family whenever they want to. Exactly. And, and so I'm not promoting illegal use of cell phones. I am promoting and sharing why I used an illegal cell phone and why I feel like it, I strongly feel it should be legalized and that it could be, it could be legalized. Adnan Khan is the executive director of Restore Justice. 